Welcome, welcome. You're listening to our podcast, Two Massage Therapists in a Microphone. My name is Mark. I'm a registered massage therapist, registered kinesiologist here in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. And we have a super cool guest today. I say super cool all the time. It probably sounds so stupid now. Super cool. It probably never sounded cool to begin with. I like it. I'll take it. <laughs> all right. Okay. Well, we have a super cool guest today who is sitting on our couch. Her name is Nikki, and she is a registered massage therapist. Amanda is also hanging out with us, swinging around in the Captain Kirk chair. Yes. Captain Amanda. I like it. Hey, everyone. It's Amanda. And Mark has already said we're sitting with a super cool guest, Nikki. And because you guys can't see her, I have to tell you, she is the most colorful guest we've ever had in here. <laughs> these are my party pants. I love these party pants with matching headband and like crazy red hair and a pink sweater. She's very, very colorful. You just like make people want to smile. You're very colorful. Thanks. I like colors. Yeah. <laughs> you should see my house. Yeah. Do you have like colorful walls? It basically looks like this. Love it. Yeah. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. So you have a wall like your pants? Yeah. Like, no, no, no. But most of my house is like magenta, like bright orange, right blue, on. yellow. I love colors. We have a bright red wall, but that's as colorful. Well, no, we've got some colors. We have a bright red wall in our living room with a purple rug and we have a blue wall in the bedroom. So we've got some colors nice. our goal with with our with our place was before kids was let's make this look like a cool hotel room yeah. that was the vibe we were going for it has a very hard rock vibe with like the red and the purple and i like it it's a little bit out there but i like it so how often do you change the colors of your place never never no i've had the same uh magenta i've traveled with it so this is the third home that i've used the same shade of magenta i've had that one color for 12 years do you nice. know what magenta is no i have no idea it's like a bright pinky purple oh that's kind of cool like a fuchsia yeah so wait you travel because i've always had this thing and a man i think talked about it on one of the other podcasts and when we were asking uh, our guests, like, if you had, if you had won the lottery, would you stay doing this job? And then it came up that, you know, someone would travel, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, you know, Romana spoke about if we ever won the lottery, I would want to have the same house or apartment or whatever it is in different areas of the world. Like so the exact same, same layout, the exact same, same furniture. Yeah. And that way it always feels like I'm home no matter where I'm at, right? It always just feels like, hey, well, this is what my bathroom looks like. Yeah. This is what my bedroom looks like. I would use each house as an excuse to add more colors. Hey. So I do like my colors in my house and then I would have a house in France and it would it would be a whole other slew of colors. Oh, cool. Awesome. Well, um, we actually don't have a plan for today, which I feel like we say more often than not these days. Um, Nikki just came back from traveling and I'll let her speak about that. And she was listening to our podcast while traveling and reached out to let us know that we kept her entertained, which I'm very happy that you were Entertained listening. and educated. Awesome. Yeah. Yay. Double whammy. Probably more entertained than educated. <laughs> that's for sure. <laughs> oh, there's, there's some informative episodes. So we invited Nikki to come in. Uh, she brought a bottle of wine, so she's already on like my top three favorite guests and she might be number one but I don't want to offend other people <laughs> and uh, we're just going to talk and see where it takes us so I'm going to give it to you why don't you tell people a little bit about yourself who are you what do you do yeah thanks for having me uh, I'm Nikki I'm an RMT um, I am coming up on four years in practice my primary practice is uh, out of my house I work out of my my century home in Parkdale which is southwestern Toronto and I also work at a studio uh, downtown and that's me. Right on. What were you doing before becoming RMT? So I spent a good 12 years 
in the entertainment industry, if you include the five years that I worked at HMV. Remember HMV? HMV, yes, yeah. I do. <laughs> I worked at HMV all through university. And then I got out. I worked at a record label not too far from here, actually, for what, what, which record label? Universal, the biggest biggest record company in the world. What years were you working at Universal? 2007 to 2011. 2007 yep. to 2011. That matches. Matches what? You know people? Did Does you work it match? there? Does it match? It matches your deal, yeah. Randy Lennox? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he was the, the top guy. Not anymore, but he was there. Yeah. We went to dinner with Randy Lennox when uh, they offered us a development deal. Cool. Your yeah. band. Yes. Yeah. And our management turned it down. Ah. Yeah. Guess who it went to? No, I think I think that was uh, <laughs> Oh, different Warner, deal. Different deal. Because yeah, Warner, Warner also took us out to dinner. We were doing a sh- we were doing a showcase. There was a band that I played in. We've actually had the guitar player on on the mental health series. Yeah, I listened to that. I listened to that while I was walking to the airport in Laos. Well, right on, right yeah, on. I remember. So TJ is the guitar player, the guy with synesthesia, and uh, we I played in a band. I've been playing in a band with TJ on and off. Well, not on and off. It's hardcore since high school, well into university. And then I don't know when I quit my early to mid 30s. I'm like 44 now. And um, we actually are playing a cover show soon. It's actually, I'm excited because we haven't played in so long. Anyway, so we had a band. We had, it was a four piece band. And we had some major players that were our management. So the manager for, um, what's the fucking band's name? Uh, not I, Mother Earth. Not Our Lady Peace? No, no, no. It was I, Mother Earth. Because I also mixed the two fucking bands up. Uh, the manager for I, Mother Earth, he was our manager. And his partner was the president for Clear Channel Canada. And so we're like, whoa, these are big players that are interested in us. And so we we took them on as management. And so they set up a showcase for us. So for anyone that's not familiar with a showcase is, a showcase is a concert or a show. And you're playing it primarily for A&R reps. And the whole purpose is to score a deal. And so a couple nights before our showcase, Warner Canada took us out. And then a night after that or before that, Universal Canada took us out. And they both offered us a development deal. And a development deal is, if you're unfamiliar, is when the record company says, we kind of like what you're doing. We're interested. We don't know if you're fully there yet. We want to hear more material. So give us three or four more songs. You have X amount of months to put it together. Give us three or four more songs. And if we like it, you got a full deal. But in that time, they've given you a whole bunch of money and they, you pretty much are in contract with them. You can't do anything until you produce their songs and they decide at the end. And our management said, nope, forget it. We want a full deal. And they said, forget it. We're not prepared to offer you a full deal. We don't want to do that. We want to make sure that you guys have the goods. And so our management's like, nope, sorry. And uh, they said, okay, well, good luck to you. And uh, then they shopped us around to a bunch of other labels. No one else was interested. Uh, then we realized this was a shitty move. So we got rid of our management. And then we went back to Warner and Universal. And uh, Universal pretty much just said, sorry, that's it. Uh, that that was our offer and that was it. You guys turned it down. Good luck to you. Oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah. And then Warner Canada said, sorry, our, our money for um, rock music is gone we're working with a band called billy talent and i was like okay cool well i guess we we kind of what do we do now two years later i'm driving stuck on the 401 i hear billy talent on cfny is it still called cfny no the edge the edge 102.1 edge, the edge. 102 i don't know yeah. what they call it it used to be C- that's how old i am yeah cfny 102.1 <laughs> the edge yes. then it was edge 102 i don't know what they I call know it now. so i heard them on that and i was like billy talent why does that sound so fucking familiar so i call up the guitar player in the car and i'm like hey man do we play a show with a band called billy talent he's like no 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 that's our development deal. I'm like, 
get the fuck out of here, man. I just heard him on the radio, like getting like tons of play. And he's like, yep, that's our deal. Apparently they're big in Europe. <sighs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, I shouldn't you, have said you that. You could have had a house in Europe that looks exactly like your yeah, house Yeah, you could have had your identical house. <laughs> oh, my God. Anyway, oh. sorry, that was sort of what I got long-winded. What were you doing? So yeah, I, I worked in sales. Uh, um, fun job, awesome people, loved every minute of it. I remember when I got that job, I was 25, and I was like, I'm working at a record label, I'm going to retire here, I'm never leaving. <laughs> and four years later, there were layoffs every year. Yeah. Yeah, it was like January was layoff season. So you mm. take your Christmas break and not know if you had a job to come back to. And it got really stressful. And so after a little over four years of that, I, I panicked and I quit and then I dabbled in film and that had all the same problems what were you doing in film uh communications just random contracts at festivals um nothing much and uh I was miserable and I decided I need to go back to school did you go to school to work in music and film no no <laughs> you just like fell <laughs> I, got, no, I got a bachelor of arts in sociology psychology and English and the only thing I used my degree for was to get into college so because you need proof of fluency in English so mm. <laughs> I had to bring my degree into my school and show them that I have a degree I can speak <laughs> English um yeah so I, I I did that for a while and then and then I I knew I needed a change I knew I needed to go back to school and uh, I narrowed it down to uh, massage and uh the law I was going to be a criminal defense lawyer that was one of the career paths I was thinking about those are two completely very different, different. Very different. So <laughs> drastically yeah. different. my brother's a criminal defense lawyer I've always been really passionate about the law about yeah prisoners' rights, prison reform. Um, I love a good wrongful conviction documentary, um, very much about civil liberties, human rights, all that all that fun stuff. Um, so I wanted to do it. And my brother said to me, he said, you'd be a good lawyer uh, if that's what you want to do. He said, yep. you're intelligent and you love to argue. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think this is what you want to do. And I said, I think you're right. And, uh, and I chose massage. I wanted job security. The kicker was uh, <laughs> I wanted... Um, Work-life balance, which yeah. I didn't think you could get with law. I don't know. I know a lot of lawyers. I don't know a single lawyer who works what I would consider to be reasonable working hours. Yeah, yeah. And then the other kicker was uh, I wanted to listen to music all day. You can't bring a boombox into court. <laughs> I want a job where I could listen to music all day. And I hear that. Massage checked off all the right boxes. Yeah, I don't. I have a friend who's a lawyer, a good friend of mine, and I look at his life, and we say this all the time. I think being a lawyer is just like doing homework. He all does the time. homework all the time. Yeah, yeah. That is his life. I mean. He seems very happy. He seems comfortable. He also, you know, works for himself, but it's I get what you're saying. Like I don't I don't look at his life and envy having to take work home all the time. I love that I can just come in here, listen to my music, deal with my patients, and when it's time to go home, See ya. I'm out. Yeah, it's like all he does, I feel like, is like school assignments. <laughs> you know, he's always just looking shit up and making documents. And I'm like, wow, this is uh, not what I'd want to do. But I guess when you're pulling in hundreds and hundreds of dollars per hour, then. Well, thank God, though, there's people who love to do everything. You know, like every when you think about all the different potential jobs that exist in the world, like, thank God there are people who are interested in doing stuff that I would look at and say, like, no way. Yeah. I would never do that. Somebody has to do it, right? Yeah, like, we were talking the other night. We're like, I'm surprised we make a living doing stuff. Like, we just make shit up. <laughs> it feels like we just make shit up, and somehow it works. Really, we don't have... That sounded horrible. Maybe I'll take that out. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, it's not... It's that is what being an entrepreneur is, right? This job didn't exist. You saw 
a need for this in the market. Like people need good continuing education courses and you've dedicated years to creating these courses and people are buying them. It's not like you sit with your feet up all day. Although right now you look like you have life. He's He's kicking his boots off. (laughs) He's drinking a beer, sitting in a room full of Bob Marley pictures. Like your life is pretty sweet, but he works more than most people I know. So yes, it's doing stuff he likes to do, but you work 27 hours a day. Do that math. That's the the life of an entrepreneur. That's what they say, right? Like being an entrepreneur is working 80 hours so that you don't have to work 40 for somebody else. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, He works all the time, um, but it's it's at your own pace and it's what you want to do. And like you said, you just make shit up, but it's working for you. Well, yeah. So (laughs) you said no no to law. Yeah. Yeah. Now, what was massage school like? Where'd you go to school? Sutherland Chan. Cool, cool. The best school. The best school? Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I don't take offense to it. Yeah, I did a lot of research and it was just, it was a no-brainer. Sutherland yeah. Chan, for sure. They've got the reputation that they have for a reason. Exactly. Exactly. I actually, there was a massage school on my street at the time. I lived uh, in the, the Church Wellesley Village at the mm-hmm. time. There was a massage school on my street. It was literally a two-minute walk from my bed. And I spoke to one of the instructors and she said, Go to Sutherland Channel. <laughs> it's always a bad sign when yeah, the instructor yep. says, don't come here. So I, I made the right decision. I, I was very happy. Right on. Yeah. School was intense. It was intense. I feel like everybody says that. It's it's so much more challenging than, than you would expect. And I remember being there and thinking, I've been getting massages for a while. I had no idea that my massage therapists needed to know any of this stuff. Mm. And also we had, we had two deaths in our class. In what? the time that we were there, two of our classmates died. So our class was super close-knit. Whoa. Yeah, sorry to be a Debbie Downer. No, it's not. It's just... Yeah. Uh, so we had, uh, we felt like a special group. Like our class was just really, really tight. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah, it was messed up. That's insane. Like accidental stuff or like illness? Uh, One suicide Ooh. and one uh, cerebral hemorrhage. Wow. Yeah. I was never scared of death until having children. I was never, I always like, hey, if I'm going to go, I'm going to go. That's fine. And yeah, you have responsibilities now. Now that I have kids, I'm scared as what fuck of dying. What makes you scared now that you have kids? I'm not saying that I, I don't totally agree with you and don't totally understand. I just want to hear it from a father's perspective. I know what I think as a mother. Like, what what about dying now makes you more scared that you have kids? I can't, I can't imagine not being there for them. Mm-hmm. And I can't imagine them waking up one morning and they they'll never see me again. It trips it freaks me out. Yeah. Yeah. Makes me want to cry. Oh, what don't cry. Doing? Yeah, don't do that. You guys are <laughs> I'm, so, I'm sorry to be a Debbie Downer, but no, yeah, no, 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 no. yeah, but I I was never I was never scared of it until until kids. And now I'm like scared as fuck. But I haven't really modified any of my behavior. No major lifestyle changes. <laughs> no, I still no, smoke. I still ride motorcycles. I'm like, but yeah, I don't know. Anyway, this is not about me. What am I saying? <laughs> Fuck you guys. Turn this around. Yeah. Well, anyway, de- yeah, death was just kind of a key part of my, my school experience. So give us the career path. You finished school. School was, you enjoyed it. Was it easy for you though? Um, it was challenging. Um, I, I'm a huge keener, so I never skipped class, always sat at the front, joined every committee. I was the valedictorian. Nice. I worked in the school library. <laughs> like I worked at the school during the summer. Like yeah. I just, I was part of every group. I, I did all the things. So I got super involved. Um, 
I was also set up in such a way that it would have been really embarrassing had I failed. Like I was living alone. I got a government grant. I didn't have a job. I don't have kids. I didn't have dependents. Like I was set up for success. I had no excuse not to succeed. Mm -hmm. So uh, yeah, I put a lot of pressure on myself to get straight A's. Um, it was it was challenging, but I there was never a moment where I thought I can't do this. Do you remember any part of your valedictorian speech? Um, yeah. <laughs> so in my it. valedictorian <laughs> speech, I, t I talked about um, my mom got it on film. I talked about um, one of our classmates who, who had passed, the one who committed suicide and something uh, that he had said and, and that I really wanted to. I, that really resonated. And um, I started tearing up during the speech. And then I said. I can't cry. My eyelashes were from Dollarama. And <laughs> that is the one thing I remember from my valedictorian speech is that I was wearing Dollarama fake eyelashes. That's a perfect way to lighten the mood, though. You're about to cry. Yeah. And the minute you said that, I'm sure everybody just yeah, started everybody laughing. Laughed, so. <laughs> so, yeah, and like a bunch of the teachers and classmates were crying. And yeah, it was pretty, it was pretty intense. But I, I really liked school. I, I had a good time. Right on. Yeah. Way better than university. Really? Oh, I hated university. Why did you, you, why'd you hate university? Oh, I was studying. Where'd you go first? U of T, University okay. of Toronto. I was studying nothing that mattered and I wasn't enjoying it. So it's not even like you're getting like a criminology degree and you're really interested in what you're studying, but it's going to be useless. I got a useless degree that I didn't care about. It was just the worst of both worlds. Mm. I wanted to be a psychologist when I was like 17 and making up my mind about what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. And uh, yeah, I got a year into the program and I thought, I don't want to do this. Mm. You liked school. You liked university, right? I loved it. I loved university. I was happy with my choice of degree. I was happy with my choice of school. I don't regret a minute of it, even though, I mean, I guess I am using it. It's related. I have a degree in kinesiology, but I never actually worked as a kin. I worked as a trainer for a little bit, ended up hating that and got a random office job and then went into massage. But I still loved it. I loved school. I loved what I was learning. I enjoyed going to class. Which one did you like better? Because you liked massage school better. Which one? Did University. You but again, I had a different experience because I worked at the massage school that I ended up going to. As an employee there, you could take the courses. So I was still working full time and going to school full time. Mm. So it was just it was just miserable because I would go there at eight o'clock in the morning. The class was eight to one. And then I'd work from one to like eight or eight thirty and just wouldn't take a lunch break because I had to put in like an eight hour day and you can't really anyway. So I was in that building for 12 to 13 hours a day every day for two years and had time for nothing else. So I think that's why I didn't like massage school. I don't think it even had anything to do with anything other than I was just tired. I just gained 30 pounds. I didn't do anything other than work, go to school. And study. I actually, I lost weight. I lost 20 pounds in my first term oh, yeah, I got, on purpose. I, I did. Uh, <laughs> I had run into uh, a friend of mine who had gone back to school and I didn't recognize her. She had gained so much weight. And she said, it's just the life of being a student. You're so stressed out and you're in class mm -hmm. all the time. And then you go home and you study and you eat chips and whatever. And I thought, I'm going back to school. This can't happen to me. So I started this year-long nutritional training program, and I lost 20 pounds in the first four months. Oh, wow. Yeah. I Maybe was like I should have done that. I was at my like, peak <laughs> health. Like I was waking up at 6 in the morning, going to the gym every day before school. Then I'd ride my bike to school. I'd shower at school and then do my day. Like I was 
the healthiest I think I've ever been when I was in school. And that probably really helped you too. Like you said, you're such a keener, right? It helps you stay focused if you're getting up in the morning and you're working out. And so you were just like pumped and ready to go. And they always bring graduates back to talk to, you know, new students or upcoming students. They always say, you know, what, what piece of advice do you have? And how, how long did you study? And how many hours should I prepare? And I always say, get a good night's sleep, take care of your body. You can't, you can't do this job if you don't take care of your body. Yep. And no amount of late night cramming is going to prepare you for a test in the way that regular exercise and a good night's sleep will. I agree with you so much on that. When Yay. I was in university, I lived in a house. It was me and four other girls. By the way, do not recommend. For Done it. Anybody, yeah, won't do it again. Do not recommend. Do not Living live with, with four other, other women. women. Yeah, it was a, it was it was not great. I lived with three other women. It was and it not was, great. It was a living nightmare. <laughs> what was what was messy as fuck? They're I messy you. as fuck. <laughs> I felt like I was chasing people around with a broom. Um, I'm not overly tidy. I would say as I'm getting older, I'm becoming more that way, like more organized and more tidy. Like clutter doesn't necessarily get to me. Dirt is just that's a deal breaker. Like, and these girls would leave dishes in the sink for three days. One of them would leave dirty dishes in her bedroom. That's right. Like that's so fucking disgusting. Anyway, aside from that, um, what were we saying? Oh best advice. When we would study together, like all five of us, a couple of the girls would stay up and pull all-nighters before an exam. And I'm like, how can you go to an exam on zero sleep? Like you're foggy. You can't think straight. Usually I'd go to bed by about 11, maybe midnight, depending on when the exam was, but I would go to sleep. I would sleep a full night and I didn't open my books the morning of the exam. I'm like, if I don't know this by now, cramming it an hour before the exam isn't making me know it. So definitely don't do these all-nighters. It doesn't help you. No. Yeah. If you haven't learned it yet, you're you're screwed anyway. I was never an all-nighter, ever. No. I would actually stop studying days before the test, like nice. three or four days before a test. Mm-hmm. And then I just don't touch it ever again. That's that's kind of the way. And I'd always walk around with my notes. I would never use them. But for me, it was like satisfaction. The day that I walk into my exam, it's I would literally tear up my notes and throw them in the garbage. <laughs> and this signifies I'm ready to rock and roll this. I don't even need to have this the, these sheets of paper here anymore. That's and then it was also yeah, <laughs> it really was. Very but it was also part of my uh, my part of my dick move is to be like I'm ready. You're not. <laughs> Look at that. <laughs> and how did you do in school? I did. I I'm a he's I'm, a keener. I'm an I'm an academic. <laughs> kind of guy. Hey. I did really well in university. I did really well in massage school. And yeah, school school was always pretty easy for me. I think I I have decent study habits. I can remember stuff which confuses the fuck out of me because I can't remember things in my personal life to save my life at all. Like I don't remember yesterday, things I did yesterday. Well, that's what she's for. Yeah. Yeah. Like actually, I don't, I don't he remember has asked me 28 times. Actually, I reminded him this morning that you were coming today. Oh, nice. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I checked in with you last night. I know. Doesn't matter. <laughs> Doesn't matter. He still said to me this morning. That's amazing. What do I have today on my schedule? Like we were meeting with Nikki at noon. <laughs> yeah, but then anatomy and physiology and neuro, I can remember in no problem. And as I'm getting older, I actually feel like I can I can learn things even quicker than I did before, which is really trippy to me. It's like before I would have to put some time in. Now I don't feel like I have to. Now I think if I see something or read something a couple times, it's done. It's in there. It's buried in my brain. Then I smoke drugs and it all goes away. <laughs> <laughs> no, you do have a good memory for stuff. It's It's not even memory though, because the way that And it's for anybody. This is for anybody. If you learn something to understand it, it will stick. 
if you're just memorizing things, it's not going to stick. You have to learn something to understand it, which when I was in massage school, I didn't study hardly at all because I was working full time. And I'd get home at like 9 p.m. I'd study a little bit, but then I'd have to go to bed because I have to be up and do 12 hours the next day. So yeah, I didn't study quite as much in massage school as I did in university. University, I would just go and plant myself at the library with coffee and snacks all day. Massage school, I just hoped I learned enough in class to pass exams. Yeah. I did okay. I'm here with you guys. Right <laughs> <laughs> we so, made it. So give us the career path. You uh, finish Sutherland Chan, you go do your, your licensing exam, you pass with flying colors. Yeah, of course. And then uh, then where does massage start from? Uh, I took the first two jobs that would hire me. I did not realize. Okay, I went into massage therapy for the job security and I still underestimated it. So when I got out, I thought nobody's going to hire a new grad like me. Mm-hmm. I don't know anything. I'm fresh out of school. I have zero experience. I did not realize the, the burgeoning job market. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, yeah, I just took the first two places that would hire me. We had... Um, a chain spa that shall remain nameless uh, that came to our school and did a talk. Well, there's, and only, there's only a couple that. So. Yeah, well, you know, <laughs> we can all you can piece figure it together. It out. You yeah. can figure it out. <laughs> yeah. And um, they came to our school and they did a talk and uh, they were down the street from where I lived. So I was like, okay, it's conveniently located. I, you know, I'll check out the spa thing. And then I worked at a multidisciplinary clinic that said that they specialized in treating musicians, which I was super into. Mm-hmm. Um, it turns out that that wasn't the case. But um, so I, I ended up working at those two places. Lasted about six months at the spa. Yeah. I, I'm glad I worked there. I learned a lot. Would never go there again. <laughs> and uh, and then I stayed at the, uh, the multidisciplinary clinic. I was there for two and a half years. Um, got also another second job. Um, when I left the spa, got a job that I still have now. I've been I've been there for three years next week uh, at a massage studio downtown. Um, I really like it there. And so I worked at the multidisciplinary clinic for two and a half years. And um, it was really poorly run. It was poorly managed, I felt. And I kept making suggestions of how to improve things and nothing changed. And eventually I just, I got fed up and I said, I I can do this better myself. And I left and I opened a home practice last January. Nice. So I work out of my house in Parkdale now. And I still work at the studio downtown because I really like it there. Right on. How's how's running a home business? It's so much work. (laughs) I love it. I love it. Uh, It's more work than I could have possibly imagined. The days are really long. Um, I'm 100% responsible for putting bodies on the table. Mm-hmm. So even when I'm not massaging, I'm always working. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you said it was harder than you imagined. What did you, yeah. ima- what did you imagine it to be? I guess I, you know what? I didn't really think it through. <laughs> I was okay. just like, I'm good at massage. I could do this. If you build it, they will come. Yeah. <laughs> I will then, open uh, this home practice <laughs> and everybody will come to me. <laughs> and then, uh, and then I just kind of opened my doors and was like, ta-da, no signage, no business acumen, mm. <laughs> not a lot of experience. I guess this is kind of segueing into the fact that you have an awesome business coach, right? I do have an awesome business coach. You guys have met her. So six weeks after opening my home practice, uh, I actually had way more business than I thought I would. And that was like three to five people a week. Like I was thrilled. I was thrilled that anybody was coming to me. I'm like, people are coming to my house and they're giving me money. That's awesome. (laughs) Uh, I didn't think that would happen because I had no visibility no signage, no, no, no how surrounded by massage therapists. If you do Google map search of massage therapists yep. in my area, there are like 20 of us within. Yeah, you're blocks. in a very busy it's area. Ridiculous. Yeah. It's so saturated. So yeah, I, I did it. <laughs> I, I went it alone for a month and, uh, and then I thought, okay, I need some help. 
And so uh, I stumbled across Rebecca Overson on uh, on Facebook randomly. She yeah. has an awesome Facebook group called The Art of Building a Successful Massage Therapy Practice. I think that's what it's called. I think that's what it's called. I think you're right. Uh, and and I fell in love with her and, and we had a phone chat and I was just like, I would totally hang out with you. You're super awesome. And uh, and then I did her her eight week training program and and that's that's all she wrote yeah I tripled my business in two months nice doing her program she's awesome uh, I think I it's her. so awesome that you did that too because we've talked about this as well in the states it seems to be like more widely accepted to have a business coach it seems like it's not as big in Canada like there's way more business coaches in the states or maybe I'm crazy but that's how it appears even on social media. And you know what? For massage. For massage, massage, yeah. And I feel like what is the harm in having someone to help you make this a successful business? It's it's allowed to be a business. It's not the harm. It's for whatever fucking reason in Canada, there's shame that comes along with making money in this field. Yeah. Yeah. There's shame that I comes see along that. with that. That's there in the States too. I hear a lot of people in the States saying, I feel guilty for charging or I don't want to raise my prices. But even more or... here because we're regulated healthcare professionals, right. at least in this province and four other provinces. So to to make money off of people when you're supposed to be helping them, it, that's where the, the shame comes yeah, in. Yeah. How dare you charge for yeah. providing healthcare? I'm exactly. sorry. Sorry. I'm changing my prices. Sorry. Sorry. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm trying to make a living. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm and then we always say it, you know, and, and all those coaches in the States will say it too. If you, How can you help someone if you can't even keep your doors open? If you can keep your doors open mm-hmm. and see your patients and clients, then you're helping people. Exactly. And if you can't afford to do that, then you're actually helping nobody. Exactly. So there shouldn't be any shame in, in this at all. And I have no qualms with asking for help. Like I've... I've gotten personal trainers. I've gotten nutritional training. Mm-hmm. I've gotten coaching and all kinds. Like if there's something that I don't know how to do myself, why struggle and try to figure it out myself when there's somebody out there who can do it? Yeah. Like So there's somebody. There's somebody out there. I can pay them to tell me how to do this properly. Why? Why? It, it is interesting that, I mean, I think I'm becoming more open to the idea. I was probably guilty of it myself where I would try to figure everything out on my own. And it doesn't make sense. Uh, the business course that we teach here at Con Ed, I always tell people like, you know what you're good at, you know what your strengths are for everything else. Look at your budget and hire someone. You know, if you need something done in your business that you're going to do maybe a half-assed job at, why not bring someone in who's just going to do it right and help you to make more money? Totally. Why are you trying to do the job of 20 different people? You're a massage therapist. Be a massage therapist. Yeah. And I think some of the people that do that here, they're dinosaurs. We were rapping about this off mic, and there's some people that are viewed in a mentor role that I don't know how they fucking got there in the first place, to be honest with you, and I think they're just riding off of whatever reputation that they've built, that people built for them, but uh, content-wise, it's not there, and that's why I love these guys from the States, the Rebecca Oversons, the Scott Lindquist, the Sean Kitzmans. They're doing such innovative stuff, especially on social media, uh, Daryl Turner who we had the other day on and it's just it's it it just blows what we see here out of the water so I love putting people or doing what we can to put our north of the border people in touch with these guys down south I think there's a huge market for that all right let's get back to career path so now you've got (laughs) your you've got your home open for business yeah is that your primary place that's my primary practice I work from home three days a week And then I work downtown for somebody else uh, one day a week. My ultimate goal is uh, four days a week, 10 months a year. And uh, that's what I've been doing. I spent uh, the first six weeks of this year 
uh, in Southeast Asia and took an extra week off when I got back. So I, I didn't work for the first seven weeks of the year. <laughs> so that's yeah, I want to work four days a week, 10 months a year. And that's that's another thing you can't really do with the law. That's another, yeah, yeah. That was another check that uh, weighed in favor of massage therapy is the work-life balance. And I know a lot of people who make way more money than I'll ever see, but they can't they can't take six weeks off. Yeah. And obviously you need money to sustain yourself and support yourself. But one, I think people think they need way more than they actually do. Mm-hmm. We don't need to live way outside of our means. I mean, as long as you can pay for your life and be happy, that's all you need. And uh, work-life balance, that's going to mean something different to everybody else. But if you feel that you have to work like 20 hours a day and you have to work, otherwise you're not going to make the money, what are you working for? When are you going to enjoy it? Totally. You're just working, mm. working, totally. working. So I would, yeah, taking six weeks off at the beginning of the year because you can, that's amazing. Yeah. And don't get me wrong. I'm not like rolling around in money. I'm still paying for that trip. (laughs) But this is also something that I really like about massage. I can work as much or as little as I want. Mm -hmm. If something comes up, my cat has to go to the vet and I need extra money, I can just pick up extra shit. Mm -hmm. Right. So I love that. So I'm working extra now to pay for the trip I just took. Because as you guys know, we don't get vacation pay. We don't get sick days. So for those six weeks that I wasn't working, I was paying my mortgage, not working, not earning anything. Mm-hmm. So I came back, I had a bunch of bills to pay. So I just work a little harder. Mm. I love it. So a couple things. Is it weird having people come to your house? Or do you have a setup where like separate entrance, like the clinic area? No, is... I don't have a separate entrance. They have okay. to walk through my entire house because <laughs> the <laughs> massage room, I'm on the main floor of a century home mm-hmm. and the massage room is at the very back. So they have to walk in my front foyer, past the dining room and kitchen, past the dining room where I keep my thousands of CDs. <laughs> um, yeah, they have to walk through the whole house to get to uh, to get to the massage room. There is a separate entrance. If I wanted, they could come through the back. Mm-hmm. But I, that would just be weird. And they have to use the washroom. It's at the front of the house. So I just, yeah. So uh, is it weird? Um, it's intimate. Mm-hmm. Um, the blessing and the curse is that my house is always clean. I was just going to ask you, do you feel pressure it's to keep your house clean? It's always clean. I, I mean, on, on the one hand, my house is always clean. That's cool. And on the other hand, I always have to keep my house clean. Right. So I have a maid who comes in once a month and then I just kind of do the upkeep myself. I have two cats. So I am constantly cleaning up, mm-hmm. like flushing the cat litter several times a day, like checking, spot checking for cat puke. Just because, you, you know, let people fur balls, know like you never know <laughs> when they're coming to you that you have cats. Like, so for yep. example, Mark has like death cat allergies. Yeah. If he walked yeah. into your house, his face would explode. I do. I have, um, I have pictures of my cats on my website. And then when people uh, request their first appointment, I send them a welcome email um, where I talk about like parking and, you know, my place isn't accessible. There are seven steps. And so I have all this information. And one of the things that I do say is you will be greeted by two of my cats. You might want to take allergy meds. I have allergy meds on hand just in case. Um, I, they never, they never go in the massage room. They never touch the linens. So they're not allowed in the treatment room. And I do keep them separated. Um, like I shut the door so that they stay in the front of the house. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when people come over, I take their, their coat and their bags and I put everything in a closet. So I do everything I can. And I don't touch the cats on the days that I'm working, mm-hmm. which my cats hate because I'm home all day and I can't touch them. So I do everything I can to make sure I don't get fur on my, my shirt or my pants or I do as much right. as I can. But if you're deathly allergic to cats and you walk into a house with two cats, like there's only so much I can do. I don't have right. carpeting or anything. As long as people are aware, then they can choose whether or not exactly. this is where they mm-hmm. want to see you. Exactly. No, yeah. I'm, I make it I make it pretty clear. How mindful are you about your home and the decor of your home? Like, are you like, mm, can't put this picture up? Yeah, that's, um, well, 
my my house is very brightly colored and I would never I did make the massage room gray. I thought I have to go with a grown up color for this room. So because the rest of the house oh, is how sad is the rest that, of the like, house is Crayola. Are so boring. <laughs> yeah. So the whole house is Crayola and I thought I have to go with a grown up color, but I wanted a color that I liked that matched with the rest of my colors. So I chose like a nice medium gray. Um, so I actually do like the color and then I have a hot pink chair in the room. I wanted the room to be very feminine because it's a women focused practice. Mm. Um, and my, my colors that I use in my branding are pink and gray. Um, there is one painting that I have a nude painting that I haven't put up yet. Um, I thinking I might have to keep that in the bedroom because I wasn't sure if it would be inappropriate to have it elsewhere in the house. But um, other than that, my decor is all like 90s band posters and like autographed album covers and it's all like just music stuff. Your house sounds cool. so, so fun. It's really fun. You guys should come visit. <laughs> it's So it's nothing. I don't really have anything offensive or I don't have anything religious. I don't have anything political, um, but that's just not my style anyway. So I, I really, aside from that one nude that I haven't hung up yet, um, I haven't compromised my style at all. I just figure people, people are coming to me. I get a lot of people who say that they're coming to me because they saw my website and they thought I want to hang out with her. Mm. So I thought if you come to my house, like this, this is me, this is who I am. That is so important. And again, it's part of what we teach is you will attract the people that like align with you and the clients you want by showing your genuine self, make people know what to expect. So the fact that people go to your website and they're like, yeah, I want to know this girl. You've done a good job of letting people know like who you are. And when they get to you, they know what to expect, right? Yeah. And like there are pictures of me all of my website so that you, you people at home don't know what I look like, but if you're looking <laughs> at me right now, like pink dreadlocks and like piercings and band tattoos and like I look like a squeegee kid like a clean squeegee kid <laughs> I was gonna say, you look a little yeah like a showered <laughs> clean squeegee kid um so they know what to expect they know that that this girl's kind of punk rock and 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 I got right. so many compliments on on the colors of my house and on the decor and I have this massive painting of myself which is so narcissistic <laughs> but my friend made it and it's beautiful and I thought I want to hang that up so mm. I hung it <laughs> I've got like Simpsons posters and um action figures and that kind of stuff were, yeah. were these were these decisions that you made or did you make these with the help of your your business coach decorating uh just the whole bit about the brand and the website and or was that something that is more organic that came from no that was something that i already had in place um rebecca helped me with um messaging Mm. um so my my personality and i already had a website um it was already kind of out there but she helped me kind of tweak my copy and she helped me you know make my website less about me and more about the client Mm -hmm. um but uh yeah this this whole everything that you see here, the personality and the colors and the music and then all that kind of stuff, the feminism that, that was already there. Mm. She just kind of helped um, hone it in and and dial it into a a strong marketing message. Right on. Female centered practice. Yeah. So I say women women only. I do accept men by referral. Okay. And I do have um a, like a small roster of loyal male clients, like people who I people who followed me from places that I had quit. Um, people who I knew before, friends of friends, stuff like that. Um, but my practice is, I'd say, about 90% women. Is that for safety reasons? A lot of it is for safety reasons. I just, as a general rule, I live alone. I mean, there are three people in the house, but it's three separate units. Right. So I technically live alone. Um, as a general rule, I don't allow men I don't know into my house. That's a good general yeah, rule. Just yeah, just anybody on, on, <laughs> for any reason. Um, and I've received some pushback from that, mostly from the massage therapy community, very rarely from clients themselves. Um, 
So it is partly for safety for sure. And also I just, I vastly prefer working with women. Okay. I just think, um, I mean, Rebecca Overson talks a lot about this, about having a niche. She calls it a niche because she's American. <laughs> That's wrong. She knows I've corrected her. It's niche. Uh, and my niche is women. And so, um, yeah, I just, I love working with women. I think life is harder for women. And so I just, I just want to make it easier for them. I want to give back. Um, and I give a better massage to women in general. This is a generalization, but in general, I give a better massage to women than I do to men. A man's experience with my tiny childlike hands is different. I have tiny childlike than hands Than a woman's too. experience. Yep. <laughs> and it just in general, cisgendered men are, they're bigger and they have more muscle mass and they're taller and they require more pressure than cisgendered women in general. Um, and so I've had a lot of cases where um, a woman would get off the table and she'll say, that's the best massage I've ever had. Can I send my boyfriend? And then the boyfriend comes over and he's like an Argonaut. And I think I can't, I can't give him the same massage that I can give you. It's just, it's just not going to be the same experience. So, um, yeah, I don't like giving treatments if I don't, I don't feel like I'm going to give them the best treatment they've ever had. I don't want to do it. And I look at massive muscular men and I think I'm not the one for you, but I will gladly refer out. Mm -hmm. When you say you get a lot of blowback from the massage community about yeah. this, t tell me about that. Oh, you know, RMT Ontario Symposium. Okay. You know. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> I want to know. I don't know. It's a, for those of you <laughs> who don't know, it's a Facebook group for RMTs on Ontario. It's uh, it's very mother hen. It's very PC. It's very by the book. I know you love rule breakers. <laughs> you, hmm. They they don't like to break the rules in the in that group. So if I ever say anything, if somebody comes across my website or I mention anything where I'm asking for advice on something and then I get a lot of criticism. This mm -hmm. is discrimination. You're not allowed to turn away people. We're supposed to be able to treat everyone. You're supposed to treat people equally. And I, I just think it's all bullshit. Mm. So, yeah, I did. I do have uh, I did have one man who basically begged for a treatment and I turned him down. <laughs> um, but I do. I get requests from men and I just say, look, this is my policy. I only accept men by referral. Um, but I also work at this other studio. So if you want to come see me there, no problem. Right. So you're not actually turning the men away. You're no, just no I just say you have to home. see me at this yeah. other location. And uh, and a lot of them say, hey, no problem. I totally got it. Yeah, I did have one guy who basically begged for a treatement. And I was just like, and he accused me of sexism. And I was like, no, I'm sorry. That seems like a lot of work on that dude's part. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, there's thousands, tens of thousands of RMTs. Just go find another one. Yeah. I just want to say you could throw a stone. There's another RMT on my street. Yeah. Who works from home. Like, go see that person. Anyway. Yeah. I, I, I can't. I guess I understand people saying like, oh, discrimination or whatever, because they just want to say something. But being that there's so many RMTs, men can go anywhere they want. You are one person out of what, 15,000 in something Ontario? Like something yeah, like that. that. You are one RMT that's saying, I don't want to invite strange men into my house. And I think anyone with common sense would recognize like that's, that's just smart. You know, it, you don't know who these people are. I wouldn't want a strange man walking into my house. Exactly. And I know, like, I, I love men. I grew up in a house of men. I have two brothers. I have tons of uncles and male cousins and a great dad. And, like, men are awesome. And some of them can be threatening. I don't feel threatened in general by women. So it's just, yeah, it's just safer. And 
Not all men are perverts. Almost all perverts are men. You can't deny that. <laughs> we, and yeah, we talked about that. that on the unprofessional Do hour. Do you never know Every when they come in and story. they want like half an hour on their feet and you just think, ah, oh, like, is this a fetish? Like, you just never know. So I just prefer to just say this, this is my blanket policy. I have trans male clients, which is not to say that trans men aren't men. Trans men are men. But again, they're less threatening. So I'm trans friendly. I have trans men and trans women in my business. I'm interested in that world. I, I really want to get someone. It on the is podcast. really fascinating. And I, I hate, I don't want to make them feel like they're a science project, mm-hmm. but it is really fascinating when you see somebody going through a transition or mm-hmm. getting a double mastectomy or taking, uh, or getting bottom surgery, getting hormonal replacement therapy. Yeah. It is really interesting as a healthcare practitioner to watch the progression. It's interesting and it's important as a healthcare practitioner to understand it. Yes. There's hormonal um, things to consider, um, mental health, emotional, physical, like there's so many things going on with trans people that somebody who is not part of that world would have no idea. And it's yeah. one of those things that there isn't like a one size fits all. It's not like we could have a trans person on here and they could make us understand because each individual's experience is going to be different. But we have been trying to get somebody who has gone through a transition to come on and just talk about some of the things that they've gone through with their health. So mental health, physical health, um, and again, for healthcare practitioners, just to understand it a little bit more um, and know it was just like when we did the mental health thing, right? Mm-hmm. It's something that you're going to come across. So maybe just having a bit more of an understanding for people who are living in that world. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And they've had struggles with how they're treated by healthcare practitioners. Mm-hmm. Some of them have been mistreated or um, haven't had their, their gender properly recognized. Um, and so I've had people seek me out specifically because they're looking for a place that identifies as trans-friendly, like a, a business that specifically states that it's a trans-friendly business. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I market my practice as body positive and trans-friendly. And so I get a lot of people coming to me for that very reason. You really have found your niche then. Yeah. Because, yeah, people are going to know, you know, like if if any of your trans clients are speaking to any of their friends, like this is the girl to go to. Like you'll feel totally comfortable. Yeah. As long as you're not allergic. to. And I'm honored that they trust me. I don't take that responsibility lightly that they're, they're mm-hmm. coming to my house the first time. They're a total stranger. They're coming into a stranger's home. They're undressing, mm-hmm. sometimes getting completely naked. Like they're trusting me with their body and with their their security. Mm-hmm. And I don't take that responsibility lightly. So, um, yeah, I really go out of my way to conduct a very thorough intake and to give them as much information as I can. And um, I've had my practice described as consent focused, um, which is also something super important to me. Yeah. So that's what I do. Consent focused. Consent focused. Like I just go over exactly what we're going to be doing in every treatment. You And I like all the things that they teach you in school that you're supposed to say mm-hmm. that people don't because they forget or they get lazy or whatever. Um, I've had massages all around the world. I've had massages in 10 countries. Um, And in most places, it's not regulated like it is here. Mm -hmm. And therapist doesn't introduce themselves. They don't ask you your name. There's no form to fill out. Um, I've had them stand in the room and watch me get undressed. I've had them straddle me on the table. I've had breast massage that I didn't ask for. Like, (laughs) they've done a lot of things that I feel like... I think I would lose my license if I did any of this yeah. stuff. <laughs> and so, I mean, you kind of have to let it go. I always say, you know, when in Rome, but some of the massage experiences that I've had 
could potentially be traumatic for people or jarring. Mm -hmm. And so I always go out of my way to to outline exactly what I'm going to do and to get the sensitive area consent form and to to let them know that they always have the right to stop or modify the treatment and that I don't take offense to it. Since you're so consent focused, what do you think of that consent form? I hate it. <laughs> tell me tell me why you hate it then. Tell me why you hate it. Uh, okay. Uh, I can see I think it's good that people are talking about it. I think that with this consent form, a lot of people who weren't previously mentioning glute massage, pec massage, breast massage, inner thigh massage, um, I think that people are talking about it and mentioning it now Mm -hmm. when perhaps they wouldn't have. I remember my first glute massage and I was stunned. This was like 15 years ago, but I was stunned. I didn't know that was a thing and it was a male therapist, and I didn't feel like he was doing anything inappropriate, but it was still shocking. All of a sudden, someone's touching your butt. All of a sudden, some and guy nobody, I don't nobody know asked is touching my butt. He yep. didn't tell me. He did not, you know. So. All right. So I'm going to pause really quick so I, yeah. we can just explain it to everyone that's listening. So in Ontario, registered massage therapists are now required to have a written consent form that highlights the treatment and assessment for sensitive areas. And the College of Massage Therapists of Ontario has deemed the sensitive areas to be superior medial thighs, anterior chest wall, breast tissue, and gluteals. Just so everyone's on the same page, for especially yeah. for all of our U.S. listeners, which make up about 38%. Really? Yeah. Hi, America. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you guys have good music. Um, yeah, so no, I was really I was really not a fan of it when, uh, when it first came out. Um, so I do think it's good that people are ta- perhaps talking about it for the first time. I always, always asked if people wanted their glutes included, mm-hmm. I don't know why most people wouldn't do that. But anyway, maybe it's just because because of my experience when I was shocked when I had glute massage, I thought I'm just going to always ask. Um, so I like that people are talking about it when perhaps they weren't before. What I don't like is I feel like it needlessly sexualizes part yes. of the body that don't need to be sexualized. That, you know, if you're trying to get, you know, you have to say, I need written consent for mm-hmm. me to touch your pecs. I need written consent for me to touch your glutes. And then it sends the message well, is there something wrong with this? Is there a reason why I shouldn't have these areas touched? Mm-hmm. And and I also felt bad for male therapists. I feel like male therapists already have a rougher go. This is a female-dominated industry. Most people request female therapists. And all of a sudden, you're going, maybe it's your first massage ever. And some guy hands you a consent form that you have to sign for him to touch your pecs. And the first thing that goes through your mind is, what did he do? Mm. Why do I have to sign this form? So I felt really bad for my, my male coworkers. So, and also you guys are massage therapists, you know, when people get in the room, they just, they want to get on the table as quickly as possible. It's just, it's a whole other form to fill out. It's a whole other spiel to give. It's uh, yeah. So I'm, I'm not a fan, but I do it. Um, just cause you know, you never know when you're going to get audited to be yeah. in compliance. Mm-hmm. And so I've got my spiel down and I wrote my own form and, but um, no, ultimately that's a long answer. No, I'm, I'm not a big fan of it. We what actually, do you guys think? I... I don't know. I'm kind of in the same boat that you are. We had we had another dude on our podcast. He's he's uh, he's a former massage therapist, retired now, but he's still way into the industry. He does some other stuff in the industry, and he brought up something about those forms that I didn't even think of. And he's like, "So I'm a sexual predator, and um, I get you to sign the form." You know, I, I, it's all legit. I get you to sign the form. You actually have less legs to stand on about a complaint now because you signed that yeah, form. You said I can touch your pecs. Totally. Yeah. What that's, are you complaining about? That's the other thing. Uh, they did it. They said that, you know, it was under the guise of protecting the public mm-hmm. and in order to ensure the protection of the public. And I thought this is 100% to protect the therapist. This is so if a client complains that I they think I did something inappropriate, I can say, well, you signed this form. Therefore, I get to touch you wherever I want. It's it's. 
I th- I thought it was completely transparent. I thought it was kind of embarrassing mm-hmm. that this is fully for our protection to make it harder for us to lose our license. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm with you where I think it's exactly as you said, it's needlessly sexualizing areas that don't need to be. Well, that's what needlessly means. Good for you, Amanda. <laughs> being a little redundant. I think you need some I did the wine. same thing. I think it's I need fine. more wine. Um, <laughs> actually, that is really good wine. I am going to have more. Um, yeah, so I think it's making something out of nothing. You know, I was the same as you. If I was going to be treating a client, I tell them this is what we're going to work on. And if, let's say, I have to do um, incorporate glutes, I will say to them that what I recommend and the best way to go about this treatment is if we do this, this, this. And are you okay with me undraping your glutes and working on your glutes? I've never had a person say like, no, I don't want you to. Mm-hmm. But I'm sure they it goes through their mind now when I'm handing them a piece of paper and saying. Can you just Sign put here. check marks there and sign saying it's okay that I touch your inner thighs, I touch your glutes? Why wouldn't it be okay? There's yeah. muscles there. I'm working on your soft tissue. Why? Why? Why totally. do we have to sign this? Also, they arbitrarily assigned these areas as sensitive. Mm-hmm. For some people, it's their abdomen. For yeah. some people, it's their obliques. For some people, it's their ears. Like, what is sensitive? Yeah, totally. It's so arbitrary. Because I think I would feel really weird if a therapist undraped my abdomen without asking me. Yeah, Because it's just not something that I'm used to. I think a lot of therapists don't treat abs unless it's indicated or unless the client asks. So I would be really thrown off if all of a sudden the therapist was undraping my abs. I think it's important to conduct a thorough intake with or without a consent form. And if you really really mean it and you really want to protect the public, educate them more on their rights as a client and the reporting process. Mm -hmm. A lot of people don't know that they can report us. If we screw up, you can report us. Mm I think people don't know that. So that's what's going to protect the public more mm-hmm. than than signing some form that gets me off the hook. And again, if you are a sexual predator, form or no form, you're yeah. going to you're going to do what you're going to do. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't it's just a waste of paper, it's a waste of time. It's yeah, and I do it cuz I just don't want to get busted if I get <laughs> Yeah, <it>. exactly. <laughs> but it is it is just making things more awkward. I think if we just kept it professional, you tell the client this is the areas that we're going to work on and you include pecs or glutes or inner thigh and they're okay with it and they give their verbal consent, I think that should be enough. My yeah. doctor has never made me sign a form before getting say, a pap. I was just going to say, I've had I've had breast exams, mm-hmm. I've had pap smears, I've never had to sign off. That's way more intimate than the things I do in my massage room. Right. <laughs> I think a lot of it has to do with the CMTO just overcompensating. I feel like they feel that they have to show that they're hard on things and just go way over the top just because of where massage therapy kind of sits in the, in the whole medical system. Well, we right? had um, that peer assessor on Lee. I don't know if you heard that episode. And didn't Lee say the CMTO was sort of like the first to even like the first um, to even incorporate peer assessments, yep. like the quality assurance that way, because again, overcompensating, making sure like if we're going to do something, we're going to do it right. Yeah. I think that's a, a lot of what happens. Like when Bill 87 Protecting Patients Act came out, which is where all of this shit came out of, they just went way, way hardcore. Like, oh, we're going to have all these forms and blah, blah, blah. Like even when they had the original draft on this form, I don't know if you guys remember, they even outlined like, these are the only times when you should be either treating or assessing 
assessing, like they highlighted, like these are the conditions of which you should be doing these things. And if these things are not met, then you really shouldn't be treating these areas, which really just takes away the power uh, as a therapist to make up their own clinical minds and say, hey, this is what I should be doing in these times. It didn't make sense to me. I, ha- I have people who come to me for breast massage just because they like it or just because they want to try it. Yep. Like, mm-hmm. is it is it clinically indicated? They just they want to try it. They like it. We're we keep our breasts in cages all day sometimes with wires yeah like, you don't you don't <laughs> need like a doctor's like note or some kind of scar tissue or pregnancy or lymphedema or you don't you don't need a reason to try breast massage your client is the perfect example of this mark has a client who um Every, every so often wants to get a uh, breast massage because she's got a heavier chest and she's a tinier girl. And after getting the treatment, she says it feels lighter. Like it makes her feel better. And yeah. it's for no other reason than it actually does help her and makes her feel better. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The people that request, just out of curiosity, are they European? No. <laughs> mm, just wondering. Oh, no, that's an interesting question. No, not necessarily. Uh, cool, cool, No, cool. sometimes it's just your run-of-the-mill Torontonian. Yeah. Uh. Um, so you're a world traveler. Yeah. Your passport is stamped like it crazy. Is now. <laughs> You've had massage therapy in ten different countries. I have, yeah. Tell us about the worst massage experience you've had abroad. Oh, wait, before you do, do you want a I would of love the some wine? more wine. Yeah, please. <laughs> She's gotta have a glass of before wine before she this. tells these the stories. The worst massage, oh, it's so sad uh it was rec- so i recently spent six weeks in southeast asia uh just me in a backpack and no itinerary Whoa. yeah f- foolish <laughs> irresponsible um brave i loved it i, loved I, w- it. I would never do that and um so i was in chiang mai north of thailand and I wanted to get blind massage, which is the thing that they do there. They have blind people who give massage. And uh, and so I looked up this place. I had good reviews and I wanted to check it out. And I went and this poor blind woman gave me the worst massage I've ever had in my life. It was so painful, so painful. It was very pokey, mm-hmm. like fingers and thumbs, stabby. Her nails were long. Oh, It's through the clothing. Um, and she would just repeatedly do the same like just stick her thumb in my neck and just push and push and push for I swear 10 minutes Mm -hmm. and before moving on to the next area and it was it was so hard and it was so pokey and stabby and she was she had a runny nose and she kept like sliding her forearm across her face to like rub the boogers on her forearm she did that so many times she answered her phone I think twice during the treatment Mm. um so she was touching her phone so like her hands weren't clean she was sick I was sitting there just like don't touch anything don't like I need to go home and take a shower I need to wash my hands just to make sure I didn't get sick it was awful and I, I didn't want to say like I'm a big advocate of um, speaking up for yourself and communicating when you're uncomfortable. And I always tell my clients, like, you can stop or modify the treatment at any time. And I mean that. And I didn't do it because mm. um, she was blind and I didn't want her. I didn't want her to feel bad. And so I suffered through it. And it was like a $3 massage. Like it, the massage there is so cheap. Um yeah, so I, I that that was the worst massage I've ever had. Yeah. How did you feel after physically? It just poked and stabbed and bruised and like tenderized. Mm. Like it didn't. It wasn't like, oh, that's a trigger point. She's really getting in there. This is gonna release all the tension. It was just, it it was awful. Yeah. It was awful. And I only ask <laughs> because sometimes when I get treatment. While I'm on the table, I'm thinking to myself, fuck, this sucks. I hate what's going on. And then after I get off the table, I'm like, 
I didn't expect to feel the way I feel. No, I felt germ covered and and yeah, that's disgusting. You got a booger massage. Yeah, I had a booger (laughs) massage. I felt I felt tenderized. It it was not pleasant, but I've had dozens of massages in ten countries, and uh, I think all the rest were perfectly lovely. Mm. That was that was the the exception to the rule. Tell us about the best one. Where where and what made it the best? Best massage. Okay, so also in Thailand, um, I was in. Sukhothai, Sukhothai, Thailand, which is north of Bangkok. Um, and I rented a bike and I just rode around and I passed this random kind of hut on the side of the road. It had a sign that said massage. And so I stopped my bike and I went in and it was this elderly woman. She must have been 70 something, didn't speak a word of English. Mm. And so I showed up with my bike and I said, I'm here for a massage. And so she wrote the price down on a piece of paper, which amounted to about $8. Um, which is standard for an hour-long massage in most of Thailand, but eight bucks. Um, And so I said, yeah, I agreed. And uh, everything was outdoors, and it was on a farm. So she had all these massage tables, super wide tables, because they'll get up on the tables, and they'll straddle you, and they'll stand, and they'll use their feet. And so a few super wide tables there. There was some guy napping on one. And, um, and it was all outdoors with this like, like straw kind of rooftop mm-hmm. and it was a sunny, warm day and I laid on the table and she gave me, the massage itself was fabulous. It was just a full body Thai massage, which is very intense. That's a, that's a workout. Like mm-hmm. as the massage therapist, that is a workout. Yep. So she was very strong, very thorough, very intense. And there were dogs and roosters and chickens just like walking around. (laughs) There are roosters everywhere in Thailand, like walking under the table and clucking and crowing and just random dog. It's just like pigs, like just (laughs) wildlife, just everywhere. And um, yeah, and it was just, I was so in the moment. I remember just like closing my eyes and thinking like, this is such a crazy experience. Mm. Like just, just be in the moment, be present. And it was wonderful. And then I got up off the table and um, so it was $8. She charged me 200 Thai baht, which was $8. I gave her a thousand Thai baht, which is like a 400% tip. <laughs> and, uh, and she cried and she hugged me. And I thought that's still only a, like a $40 yeah. massage, which is still cheap compared to here. Mm-hmm. So for me, $40 for a massage was nothing for her. That mm-hmm. that made her day. So that that was probably my favorite massage experience. Wow, man. And I've had some wonderful massages in Ontario, obviously. <laughs> yeah, but that would be... But, the, but I, you know, <laughs> never with a rooster. Never, yeah. <laughs> like Some of the best massages I've had have been for people who don't speak a word of English. I had a massage in Lisbon from a guy who didn't speak any English and it was phenomenal. Mm. Would you do goat yoga? <laughs> Yeah, I'll try almost any kind of That's yoga. That's all I could think of when she was talking <laughs> about the roosters. We recently watched an episode of, I think it was like Shark Tank, uh, one of those type of yes, shows. Yes, it was Shark and Tank. And there were people pitching a business idea. They do goat yoga. So it's basically just regular like Hatha yoga, I assume, but with... Um, what are the miniature goats called? Miniature goats. Kids. I don't. They're not babies. So they're not kids. They're oh. they're just little tiny goats that goats don't get are big. Adorable. So you're like you know doing a downward dog. And they'll put like a goat on your back. <laughs> <laughs> that that's a niche. That's so that I mean, I feel like I already kind of do cat yoga. Like if I ever do yoga at home, my cat likes to get involved. Right. <laughs> um, no, I would try goat yoga. Yeah, why not? Why not? That's all I can think of is she's talking about getting a massage with a rooster under the table. I'm like, or you can do yoga with a goat on your back if you're into that kind of thing. That's the wildlife. <laughs> so tell us about your travels. I'm curious. I'm curious as to why you decided where you went and and why by yourself. And because I don't, I'm not a travel. 
I'm not a travel guy at all. Oh, you're missing out. I don't I don't know if I'm missing out. To be honest, I mean, I don't know if I don't think I feel like I'm missing out. Does that make sense? You can probably describe this better than I can. You can probably describe me better it's than I can. It's frustrating a little bit because when I try to show him the things, the reasons that people travel, you know, like I'll show him <laughs> beautiful scenery or, you know, unique architecture or the whatever. Food. Like that, but he's not a food guy. I'm not a food guy. I can guy. either if if we go home, I can either spend hours like making a gourmet meal or I can make like barbecue chicken wraps with a salad. And he won't notice. He's equally happy. Like there is no, uh, I don't. Yeah, a peanut butter sandwich and the best steak in the world. It's to the, me same is the same to him. Okay, I get what you're saying it's though with in. like just not being interested in traveling. I have yeah. no interest in procreating, and mm. people with you know parents are just like it's the best thing in the world. And I'm like, nope. So I get it. I get that. Just yeah, this thing I, that I think is like all I want to do with my life that you have no interest in it. I get it. Mm. Yeah, everybody has like their own things, and I get. It. I it's not like I've traveled a lot. I've been to few places, but I wasn't done. We met when I was very young. I wasn't done. And I haven't really done much traveling since I've met you because you're not a traveler. So you I, can travel. I go almost, on your own. So I've I know almost you have kids. had him. Yeah, I guess now <laughs> with the kids, it's different. But I almost had him convinced one year to go to Paris because I was like, this to me seems like a safe option for him because it's not like we're going to be out in the jungle you know there's lots of people it's developed it's 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 a tourist kind of place so I was like this is a safe starting point and I had not been to Paris yet so I was like let's do this and I almost had him convinced but then I got pregnant and everybody I know was like do not go to Paris pregnant you're not going to have fun don't do it so we didn't go but he doesn't he's not interested in food so forget the selling him on the food not interested in like scenery he's like I could just like see that on Google. (laughs) Okay, no, but you're okay. Listen, you're a music guy, and I have people criticizing me for how many thousands of dollars I spend on concert tickets. And they say, well, why don't you just like live stream it? Why don't you just watch the DVD? You know, okay, that live music is just, it's It's not the same. It's not the same. Well, the other, I guess it was about two weeks ago, he said to me, would being put into like a big city in. I think you used Tokyo as an example. Yeah. If you were to drop me in a big city in Tokyo and I didn't know where I was and like you blindfolded me. me. in Tokyo. Yeah, in Tokyo. And he's like, and you just, you know, uh, took the blindfold off. He's like, would I feel like I was in Tokyo or would I feel like I was just in any other metropolitan city? <laughs> I was like, okay, fine. <laughs> I'd feel fine. like I'm in you're every in every other, other metropolitan, metropolitan city. city. But when you travel... Except you... that everyone's Japanese. Well, well except that. <laughs> other than that. <laughs> other than that busy, part. <laughs> busy streets, high yeah. rise. I might as well be in get, New York. I, I might as well be in Toronto. Yeah, but, but I might as well I, be in Atlanta. But part of my favorite, one of my favorite parts of traveling is, is not the major cities. Mm. I spent as little time in... I hated Bangkok. I hated Hanoi. I spent as little time in the major cities when I was gone as I could. The magic is outside the city. I guess. I mean, I just, I just don't. I, I want to be sold. Someone sell me on this idea. I don't, I don't, know, how to, I don't know how to sell you <laughs> at all. And it's the one of those I things, I... though, that you can't totally describe to someone. It's like Nikki said, like going to a concert, being there and being in the moment, that whole experience, you can't actually put that into words to make somebody want to go to a concert. You have to be there. You have to experience it. It's like when I say to somebody, nobody could have prepared me for pregnancy and motherhood. You can't put that experience into words. You just have to do it. So 
you, I can't sell you on traveling because anything I, I can see, say, you know. I can see me wanting to do any of this is if I can do it on a motorcycle. You can that do, is the oh my only gosh. way that I you would can want do, to Mark, ever do so that. much Every, traveling on I a motorcycle. I was the only person in all of Southeast Asia who was not on a scooter. And that's because of my career. I, I know three people who broke their arm falling off scooters in Southeast Asia. And I thought, I can't risk it. So I mm. never rode scooters. Everybody else does. You can do it on a scooter. You can do it on a motorcycle. Yeah. Like I have no interest in seeing and doing stuff. But yeah, riding aimlessly in places I've never been that sounds enjoyable you can do that but on, in Thailand they ride on the left side of the road just so you know yeah I can I can probably figure that out sometimes <laughs> it's just cool to see like other cultures and the way other people live and just those kinds of differences fascinate me maybe you're not interested in that but even places that are not that wildly different you know the year that I went to um, like all over like Scotland and England and Ireland it was every place was just had slight differences that made it interesting Maybe. but no I, know I didn't I'm have much interest in Asia until I became a massage therapist that's what made me want to go to Asia okay Tell it's us like, about it. It's like the mecca of bodywork. Yeah. Like Thai massage, Vietnamese massage, Laotian massage, Cambodian massage. They're mm-hmm. all pretty much the same. But <laughs> uh, yeah, they're super into bodywork over there and I and the food. And I thought, I just, I want to go where the food tastes like that. Wherever Thai food came from, I want to go there. <laughs> and uh, and I, and I want to get massages like every other day. And that's, that's what I did. So tell us about the trip then. Tell us, you, you, you pack up a backpack. Packed and... a backpack, tried to comfort my mom as much as I could. What was she saying? Oh, she, she was just, she was you're just, crazy. she's a Don't worrier. go to Southeast Asia by yourself. Yeah, don't go anywhere by yourself. She's a worrier. Yeah. I, now I that I have kids, check in, I understand I her. finally, after like 12 years, I finally added her as a friend on Facebook so she could. <laughs> She could see my photos and I I emailed her and yeah, we kept in touch. Yeah, I just, um, I signed up for a Thai massage course in Thailand so I could write off the trip. How was that? It was awesome. It was great. I took a five-day course um, at a school called Loy Crow, which I'm probably mispronouncing. It was great. It was um, uh, just an introductory Thai massage course. They taught us prone, supine, side lying, seated, um, 99 different techniques. Mm. It was awesome. Um, Two instructors, six people in the class. All six of us were from different countries. That was super cool. Love the course. I would totally go back to that school. It was in Chiang Mai in the North of Thailand. I would go back to that school to do additional training for sure. What was that? What was that dude telling us his training was like when he went? He said was that. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, what he said was they most of the places he went to study they didn't speak English and so it was like the instructor and the instructor's body I guess um, in the middle of the room and a whole bunch of people surrounding and the instructor pretty much just demoed and you kind of like followed along because nobody spoke the same language Wow, that was his experience my instructors spoke English we did have one classmate who barely spoke English she was she was from Japan but one of the instructors spoke a bit of Japanese so okay. it was really cool. Yeah. I learned how to say thank you in like six languages while I was away. Let's hear it. Just from meeting. Oh no, I'm going to mess it up. <laughs> <laughs> um, in Thailand, if you're a woman, it's Kapun Ka. I don't know how to say it if you're a man. I forgot. Kapun Krab or something. I'm going to mess it up. Um, uh, it's Kap Chai in Northwestern Vietnam. It's... Um, Oh my gosh, I've forgotten. It's Donkeyville in Dutch. Um, Arigato in Japanese, which I already knew. Um, what else? Uh, Kamanban in Vietnamese. Um, I forget how to say it in Cambodian. You'll oh have my to gosh, go back. I can't yeah, yeah, that's it. That's the only solution. <laughs> I can't look it up. I have to go back. So before traveling all over Southeast Asia, as you said, because massage kind of inspired you to go there, 
was this something that you did frequently? Like, were you already a traveler? Um, kind of. I'd been, I've been to Europe several times. Um, and I've been to Egypt twice. Um, that's where my dad's from. And I've been to South Africa. But this was my first time going alone. Um, I did a, a trip, a month-long trip in Europe two years ago with my family. And then I broke off at the end and did the last 10 days on my own. I did the south of Spain and Lisbon, Portugal. Um, so that was my first time really traveling alone for those 10 days. This was my first time, just me in a backpack, first time in Asia, longest stretch out of the country, um, longest time traveling alone. This is the first time I really did the like solo backpacking track. Did you have any fear or anxiety or were you just excited? Hell yeah. 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 I was terrified. I I'm, think... I'm, a, I'm a solo female traveler. Mm -hmm. I'm tiny. I don't speak any of the languages and you can't read the languages either. Like in Europe, you can figure it out because it's, it's our alphabet. Right. But I thought if there's a sign and there's no English on it, I have no way of translating this. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I didn't know a lot about the culture. I wasn't sure if it was going to be safe for women, which by the way, it totally, totally is. I went six weeks without getting catcalled, probably the longest stretch in my adult life. Wow. Yeah. It's super safe for women there. I was never catcalled, grabbed, harassed. They say pickpocketing is a big problem. I didn't experience it. If you have your wits about you and you're responsible with your belongings, you won't get pickpocketed. I've been to all of the like pickpocketing capitals of the world and I've never had anything stolen. Wow. So I was I was nervous, but as soon as I landed, it was fine. It was fine. What uh, type of accommodations did you have in all of these places? Were hostels you staying in hotels? and homestays. Hostels. But private room hostels. I'm too old to share considered, you know, because you can spend a dollar and get a bunk bed and a room with 10 other people. And I thought I'm too old for that. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I could do and that. And it's so cheap. So, you know, for $5, I could get a bunk bed in a room of like four people at a half decent place. And for $20, I could get a private room with a private bathroom and sometimes a fridge and a TV. So yeah, I shelled out the 20 bucks, but I, <laughs> I spent around $20 a night. That was about like, I would I stop at one point. I stopped looking at places that were more than $20 because I could get a really good deal for, for 20 bucks. I stay in a lot of homestays, which is a family run hostel or family run hotel. Mm -hmm. That was my favorite because the family will cook you food or they'll give you, they'll give you alcohol. I met this one guy who had this insane liquor collection. Yeah, it was awesome. Like with like, like huge bottles of liquor with like snakes in it and like little baby alligators, like weird. Oh my I didn't try any of it. <laughs> he wanted me to try it all. I said, I'm not trying any of that, but, um, yeah, the home, if you ever go to Southeast Asia, um, look up homestays. Did you have all of these places booked before you went nope. or were you just spontaneous? About I had, it? I winged it. I knew I had the course booked. The I'm massage, getting anxious listening to you. I had the massage <laughs> course, but yeah, and this is, I'm super type A. I'm very, I plan everything. Um, I had booked when I went to Spain and Portugal two years ago, I had booked all of my travel and accommodations before I left the Canada mm -hmm. and, uh, and it was too rigid. There were places that I loved that I wanted to stay longer that I couldn't because I had this train to catch. Right. There are places that I didn't like that I would have wanted to leave early, but everything was booked. So I thought I want to be more flexible. So I went in the complete opposite direction. <laughs> Other than the course that I booked, I had no itinerary and I just, I winged it and I didn't do a lot of research. I just met travelers along the way and asked them where to go. <laughs> it's really cool. But yeah, I, I think there's only a certain type of person, as you said, there's certain people who want to have a family and want to be parents. And there's certain people who could never imagine it. I am definitely one of those people. I could. I don't think I could ever do it. I don't think I could ever just pick up, even if this was pre-kids, pre-marriage, I don't think I could pick up and travel in a foreign country where I can't even read the language by myself. I think I would end up 
sitting in a corner crying. I loved it. And there are, don't get me wrong, there are places where I wouldn't do this. Like I I'm not going to do this in Colombia or yeah. Brazil or right. the South Middle America's East. Not your thing, right? You know, I'm not there's certain places where you are not I'm not going to go to Liberia. Like there there are places where you don't do that. Right. Southeast Asia, Europe, perfectly safe. Well, that's that's been my experience. So, um yeah, I loved it and it's it's all I think about. So if I'm ever having a rough day at work or if I'm tired, I think this is just, I'm, I'm making money to go travel. This is all, all I think about is where to go next. It's like pretty much the only thing on my mind at all times now is where to go next. I want to see 50 countries by age 50. How many are you up to? 20, wow. including Canada. If you include Canada and if you include the Vatican City, which is technically a country, <laughs> uh, I think I'm at, I think I'm at 20. I wanted to do 40 okay. by 40, but that's just not realistic. 40 is coming up. So, so 50 by 50, I think is is achievable. Wow. Yeah. I'm too lazy for that shit. <laughs> I really am. Especially if you have no plans, you're just winging everything. I would just lie in a bed thinking, fuck it, I'm just going to stay here for the rest of the day. You, know? you do have those days. I put a lot of pressure on myself to go out because I'm like, I'm paying for this and I'm never going to come back and this is a once in a lifetime opportunity. Yeah. So I go out every day and there were those days where I thought, oh, I just want to stay home and watch Project Runway because they have Project Runway on Asian Netflix and we don't have that here. <laughs> so there were a few days where I stayed in and I watched Netflix. Yeah, you got it. I like, yeah, I like the idea of being a little flexible. We traveled with a couple. Um, this was probably five or six years ago now. And the guy was very much like, if we're going on a trip and we're, you know, going on vacation, I want to experience everything there possibly is to experience. So every day uh, he wanted to have a plan and he wanted to go do touristy stuff. And Mark and I were like, we just want to chill on the beach today. Like we don't want to go and go sightseeing and like do activities and whatever. And uh, it actually made for a very awkwardly tense trip because my idea of traveling is to have some sort of flexibility. Like do what you you're on vacation still. Yes, you want to see things, but do it at your pace. Do what you want. Like yeah. it's not fun if you're forcing yourself to go, you know, see architecture that yeah. maybe you don't care about. And I found that with all the places that I've been, when I think of what I remember and what I valued most and the best times that I had, it's it's never the museums. It's never the monuments. Mm-hmm. It's always like the hot chocolate I had in Milan. Right. Or, you know, the the random guy from Germany that I met in Vietnam. And we watched the fireworks on the water because it was Vietnamese New Year and we didn't realize it. And, you know, like, <laughs> the these, random these stuff, are yeah. the memorable moments. It's 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 not the the things. That's you know, why I did such a poor job of trying to sell traveling to you. Mark said to me, okay, try to sell me. If we were to go to Paris, what is there to do in Paris? The Louvre. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He goes to me, what is there to do in Paris besides the Eiffel Lace Tower? De I'm like, uh, I don't know, like museums. <laughs> they serve wine at McDonald's there. That's pretty cool. I've had wine at McDonald's in Paris. I'm in. Mm. Right? <laughs> That's why I was told not to go pregnant because I do really like wine. wine. And apparently because Paris is such a walking city, I don't know, I've it never is. been there. Yep. Um walking a lot, pregnant. Yes, you want to walk while you're pregnant, but people are like, eh, you're going to get tired." And apparently there's not bathrooms on every corner like there is here. Like if you need That's to That's a lot of the world. Yeah. yeah like I actually pee, good luck. I have been blessed with the with an Egyptian camel's bladder. <laughs> 
I almost spit my wine. <laughs> I could I could go the whole day without urinating and I wouldn't even notice. Seriously. I, I do not know how normal people do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There are lots of places I've been where I'm like, okay, there's just no option. Oh, wow. No, I inherited my mother's bladder. I know where all the washrooms are in like most public places that I would go to because the minute <laughs> I get somewhere, I'm like, wait, I got to pee first. It's super annoying. Wow. I envy you. Super annoying. I've had two glasses of this wine. I already have to pee. <laughs> I mean, my kidneys are probably crying, but but I feel fine. <laughs> so w- which of these places you've been to would you consider, uh, I'd live here for a little bit? <sighs> or is that not one. even You something? know what? I, Toronto's home. Yeah. I love Toronto. I really love Toronto. It, it's home. Um, I used to say Chicago. Uh, that's like one of my favorite, my favorite bands, Smashing Pumpkins are from Chicago. But I think I would just eat myself into oblivion if I lived there. And I'm not, I'm not going to live in Trump's America. Um, yeah. And I used to say like London for me, it's really important. I think you'll respect this and most people will think I'm bonkers. Um, I need to know that when my favorite band goes on tour, that they're going to come to my city. So I need to live in a major city. I get that. I don't or know. it would have to or be Toronto, you follow London. them or you like you plan your travel. That's true. I could travel to see them. Hey, right. <laughs> you're onto something. Why? I couldn't live in Asia. Uh, they, you, um, you have to drink bottled water and I, I can't live like that. They, they don't, you can't drink the tap water there and I could never live somewhere where you can't drink tap water. Okay. What is it about Toronto that you really love? The reason I'm asking you this before you answer is I've lived in Toronto my entire life. In recent years, I've become increasingly frustrated with the congestion. I've become frustrated with the traffic. And I find myself like, like I never thought I would be this way, but I find myself preferring suburban areas because I just can't handle the busyness. Maybe it's this like old lady mom that I've become. Oh, so you're I don't a mom. know. <laughs> but then when I actually get real about it and think about leaving Toronto, it like hurts my soul. I'm like, oh, I don't know. Like, I don't know if I could. Mark says it's because I just like saying I'm from Toronto. You like saying you're from Toronto. That's I'm not what there's a pride that comes exactly. with that. There's a pride that comes with that for <laughs> so sure. So what, what is it about this city that just keeps you here? This is like where your home is. Uh, my mortgage, but... <laughs> <laughs> well, yes. No, I, I love that it's hailed as the most multicultural city in the world. I do love that. I think that's a, a huge source of pride. Yep. Like in my neighborhood, there are like six Tibetan restaurants on Queen Street within one block. Mm. Tibetan. Yeah. That's not like, that's not a major big, kind. like I haven't even eaten at any of them, but I like that you can get pretty much any cuisine. Mm-hmm. Um, authentic or from what I can tell. Um, Somewhere in the city. It, you at, can get anywhere authentic. in the city at yes. almost any time of the day, you mm-hmm. can get authentic international cuisine. I like that all my favorite bands come here on tour. Yes, they do. Uh, I love Hot Docs, the film festival. I love that we have one of the only documentary-only theaters, movie theaters, the the Ted Rogers Hot Dog Cinema. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, huge fan of documentaries. So the culture, the music, the food, um, it's safe. It's yeah. I've, I don't feel unsafe as a woman walking around at night. I, safety is huge for me. You can't get that in the States. Well, Toronto never sleeps. So it's... It does always feel safe. Like I remember when we lived Midtown Toronto and if it was, you know, midnight and I realized I needed something, I didn't even think twice about just throwing on my jacket and going out for a walk on my own. And there was once in a while where Mark would say like, it's midnight, you're just going to go out walking. I'm like, yeah, me and the, you know, 7,000 other people that are outside right now. Yeah. You're safer walking downtown in the middle of the night than you are in the suburbs. Yeah. It's walkable. Also, you say that you don't like the congestion. I got rid of my car years ago and never looked back. So I have structured my life in such a way that I work from home mm-hmm. and I work downtown. So I walk or bike everywhere. I never mm-hmm. take the TTC. I never take Uber. 
I don't have a car. I don't drive. I like that it's walkable. I like that it's mm. bikeable. Um, Your lifestyle suits Toronto. You yeah. My lifestyle suits me. Yeah. I do love Toronto. I do. Like, I know I constantly say like, I hate this city, but I think the congestion is really the only thing I dislike. And that's like a minor piece of all of the positives. Like I love how multi- multicultural the city is. Um, we were once talking about, do you know where New Smyrna Beach, Florida is? Like it's like 20 minutes south of Daytona. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's my happy place. Mark loves New Smyrna Beach. So we used to go there every year. It's, it's like really a very weird. sleepy little surfer town. Just no, it's not a touristy town. place, uh-huh. but my mom lives in Naples. Oh yeah. So we used to go to New Smyrna Beach all the time. And he once said to me like, we should just move here. Cause we both really do love it. Like we, we know where everything is there. Like it, it is kind of like home. Like I feel very comfortable there. I know where everything is. And I said to him, I, I don't know if I want to raise my kids in a place with such a lack of diversity. Yeah. It's I, weird to me. So my mom lives in Naples, Florida, half the year. And I went to visit her last year. And um, we take turns in the family um, doing dinner. So every day somebody gets designated to like grab dinner for the whole family mm-hmm. or cook dinner. So it was my night. And I thought, I'll just, I'll order Indian. Not possible. There was no <laughs> Indian restaurant anywhere near wow. the condo that delivered. And I just, I'm so spoiled. How weird is that? Yeah. yeah. And I thought, what do you mean I can't, what do you mean there aren't 15 <laughs> choices within two blocks? Yeah. I just, it didn't occur to me that that wasn't an option. I got, I got, I just, I love Toronto. I love it here. I hear that though. I mean, but I'll substitute that for going to the ocean and hanging out on the beach after work. Yeah, we don't have <laughs> we don't have oceans. I'm also I'm not I'm not very outdoorsy. I don't like Southeast Asia is famous for its beaches. Like Southern Thailand is famous mm-hmm. for its beaches. Wouldn't know it. Didn't go. Didn't see anything. I'm a beach person. I'm I would have definitely went to the beaches. I'm definitely a beach person. Yeah, we have a beach here in Toronto, but... I've never seen it. I've been told we have beaches here. I've never seen them. Really? <laughs> yeah. See, and I enjoy just going down to the beach in the summer. I mean, we don't do it nearly enough. I guess being in Northeast Scarborough is not exactly ideal. Because of the fucking ideal. congestion. It's the congestion like to a, get down it's, there. It's like not a... if you live there. Not <laughs> if you live there. Well, that's the other thing, though, is how expensive it's become to live in this city. That's the drawback. It is so, it is expensive. I've already got my mortgage here in Scarborough. <laughs> but I always say there are two ways to have money. You can make a lot or you can spend very little. I, from working in entertainment for forever, I got very skilled at spending little money. Mm-hmm. So I'm really good at not spending. I think that is, that like that, that's the secret. Like people who want more money, the secret is, like I said earlier, people think they need way more than they need. Like you really do not need a lot of things. I remember somebody making fun of me recently because I have like one of everything. Like I have one water bottle. I have yeah. one um, for my daughter, like her lunch, her lunch box. I have one. I have one purse. I have one, like I have one of everything. And this woman said to me like, well, what do you mean you have one? I was like, well, why do I need more than one? Like, this is you know, when this one breaks, I'll get another one. Mm. Until then, I just, just the one. I just need one. <laughs> yeah, I have one of everything. Yeah, I'm with you. <laughs> By the way, for anyone listening, I have more than one like pair of underwear, or pair yeah. of pants. You know, <laughs> there's some things where I break my one rule. <laughs> Although still not a lot. I honestly have like five pairs of pants. That's mm. enough. Mm. Got to do laundry a lot. Yeah. Well, did you guys? There was an article circulating around a little while ago called "Fuck Yes or No." No, I didn't. And it see was it. it basically it was in relationships, in shopping, in jobs, in like anything in your life. If you apply this rule, you think is it a fuck yes? And or, if if or if it's not, then it's a no. 
There's no like, eh, like I kind of like this sweater. Yeah. Like maybe I'll buy it. So it's just the more aggressive Marie Kondo. Yeah. Does this spark joy? Fuck yeah. (laughs) It's kind of a minimalist approach. And so I started applying that to clothing shopping and I basically just never bought clothes again. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. You don't need nearly as much as you think you need. Although sometimes it does bite me in the ass. What do you mean? Burnt a hole in my bed sheet. It was like one of two bed sheets that I own. I have to buy more bed sheets. How'd you burn a hole in your bed sheet? You did it. Mark. <laughs> <laughs> trying to enjoy Don't do flat. Enjoy a joint with my lying down on my pillow. <laughs> so now I have to buy more bed sheets. Yeah. Where else is on the hit list for the travel? I'm oh curious. my gosh. It the never 50 ends. 50 and 50. Where, where's, where's it never next? ends. Where are you, uh, when are you going next and where do you think so you're going? So my goal is to, so I took the first six weeks off of 2019 to travel and I want to do that every year. So mm. I want to bust my ass throughout the whole year and take the first six-ish weeks of every year off. It's a good time you have to travel yeah. for a massage therapist because you guys know the end of the year is the busy season. Mm-hmm. So by January, you're you're exhausted. And you've um, got money in your bank. And you've, and you've got money in your bank account. And nobody's coming for a massage in January anyway, so might as well leave. And the weather's awful. Mm-hmm. So I got to miss the first six weeks of winter. So that's my plan. Uh, next stop's Baltimore, just because I've never been. And every year, uh, my brothers and I, we take a Blue Jays road trip. Um, so we I chose Baltimore this year. Cool. Um, but yeah, I want, I want to take, I want to take every January off. So I've, I've never been to South America. I've never been to Central Africa. There's so much more of Europe I want to see. Um, not so interested in in Australia, but super interested in New Zealand. Mm -hmm. I would love to see Iceland, Istanbul. Um, yeah. Anywhere in South America that I think is safe. Where in Canada have you been? And actually not a lot. That's, I was born in Alberta. I don't remember it. Um, went to Halifax when I was four. And that's pretty much it. Other than that, it's been Ontario. I went to Regina for a wedding a few years ago, mm-hmm. but I have never been out West. I've never been to BC. I haven't really seen the East Coast because I don't remember it. Yeah, I, I stay in my little bubble here. When I leave, I leave. I've mm. been all over the state. Um, but yeah, I, I always say I don't, I don't feel like a real Canadian until I've been to BC, I feel. But it's expensive and it's far. And if I'm going to spend like $1,000 and five hours on a plane, I don't want to land in my own country. <laughs> I at the very least want to land in a different country, preferably another continent. Mm. BC is one of, the pla- one of the provinces I haven't been, been to. The farthest west I've been, you know, you don't. Oh, I've been to Quebec. I've been to Montreal a bunch of times. That's something. Farthest west, I guess, Banff, Alberta. Like, that's probably as far west as I've been. I've done the whole east coast. I am an east coaster. My dad's from Newfoundland. Oh, cool. So, east coast, I love. I haven't explored the west yet, so I have no opinion. I'd like to see more Canada, but I think I I I might want to do that when I'm old. Like, when (laughs) when I'm, like, old, old. Like, while I'm young and I can hike mountains gotcha, and I can, gotcha, like, gotcha. I'm physically able, I want to see the rest of the world. There's, yeah, there's a very, um, the East Coast is very calm. I know a woman, her and her husband chose not to be intimate before getting married. <gasps> and wow. after they, uh, when they were planning their, their wedding and their honeymoon, initially their honeymoon was going to be in Italy because neither of them had been to Italy. They both wanted to, you know, they had this whole romantic thing planned. Their pastor suggested Go somewhere that you don't feel that need to get up and go sightseeing. Go somewhere like quiet and nice so the two of you can just get to know each other like you've never been intimate. Like your honeymoon is supposed to be just for the two of you to spend time together. And both of them were like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Where are they they, from? Sorry. I, I, I don't know. I met her here like she's one of my mom friends. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I don't know where they're from. Okay. She's, I, I think somewhere along the line, she's English. Okay. But they're, yeah. Just curious. And uh, so they decided to have their honeymoon and do like the East coast of Canada, Newfoundland, 
particularly because I guess somebody had told them like, there's really not a ton to do, like, you know, <laughs> other than get to know your new spouse. Right. And so they went there and as she was telling me this, I'm like, totally like my grandmother's from Newfoundland. She has 15 kids. You know what there is to do in Newfoundland? Nothing. Procreate. Fish and, <laughs> fish and fuck. That's right. <laughs> so I guess, yeah, do, do like the Canadian stuff when you're a little bit older and you yeah. just want something laid back. And Yeah. I've, I've got, you know, I ho- hopefully if I make it to my elder years, I, I've, got, I've got that time to see my own country but for now i'm just i so am so hungry to see the rest of the world i'm curious about those that couple have they banged (laughs) anyone else or are they or are they like they're just like i didn't ask she is um incredibly religious i know that like her her children have biblical names um they are they go to like bible camps and stuff they're really into their church so my assumption and i could be like making a snap judgment i don't know her that well but my assumption is that their religion was you know, no intimacy until marriage. So mm. my, I assume that they were each other's first, but I don't know. Such a weird thing for me to hear. <laughs> <laughs> it really is. I don't know. Maybe it makes things better. Maybe it makes things worse. It's kind of sweet in a traditional kind of way. You don't hear about that a lot anymore. You really, yeah, you don't hear about it. And again, it's, they don't know any different. So it's not, there's nothing to compare it to, I guess. So I, I mean, it can go either way. Either they could be horribly disappointed and then feel like they made a huge mistake or whatever happens, they're happy and they don't know any anything else. Hmm. I know I know a couple who saved themselves from marriage. Yeah. Still together. Nice. That's so sweet. Yeah, <laughs> it is. And on that note. <laughs> <laughs> right on, man. Is there anything else you want to want to wrap up? Um, I know we've been talking for a really long time. Um, there is one story I would love to tell because yeah. I just got permission to tell it. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And it's like my most favorite and it's massage related. <laughs> um, and I'm so excited because for two and a half years I had to bite my tongue. I had to keep my mouth shut and I finally got permission to tell the world. Um, so I'm a big music fan. I have tons of band tattoos, thousands of CDs, worked in the music industry. Like it just, it's my whole, I have a cat named Dave Grohl. Yeah. I'm just <laughs> obsessed with music. I will never look at Dave Grohl with any by the way. It's funny because I get like letters from the vet being like, we need a fecal sample from Dave Grohl. (laughs) And I'm like, I'll let him know. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so, no, but so this one quick story that I'll tell. Um, So two and a half years ago, one of my favorite artists came to Toronto, my favorite musicians. Um, A lot of people don't know her. She kind of has a cult following. Amanda Palmer. She's she's a singer-songwriter, pianist. She used to be in the Dresden Dolls. Um, I was introduced to her when I... Uh, I saw her open for Nine Inch Nails in 2005. Hmm. Her husband is Neil Gaiman, who's a favorite, uh, famous author. American Gods. and Anyway, they're like this this famous couple, but they're cult famous. Mm-hmm. So they have like hardcore fans, right. but only a few thousand. <laughs> anyway, I'm one of them. And um, she came, she did a show in Toronto two and a half years ago. And um, I uh, at the end of the show, she did a meet and greet. And I went up to her and I gave her my card. And I said, because at that point I had bought my house in Parkdale, which was close to the Queen Elizabeth Theater, um, but I hadn't moved in yet. So I gave her my card and I said, Amanda, the next time you come to Toronto, which was a couple days ago, I said, the next time you come to Toronto, you know, like in two years, I'm going to have a home massage studio really close to here. And I want you to come for a massage. And she grabbed my hand. She said, can you come to my hotel room tomorrow? And I panicked and I was like, ha, ha. Okay. <laughs> so I rushed home. I spent hours making the perfect playlist 
like how do you impress a musician I was like I have to make a playlist to impress this musician oh, so like much pressure music that I knew she liked and like she's friends with Ben Folds who's one of my favorite artists so I put a bunch of Ben Folds on the playlist and like Leonard Cohen and um and then I went to her hotel room the next day and she has given me permission to tell this story normally there's client therapist confidentiality and we can't divulge the the identity of our, our clients and I never ever ever would mm-hmm. except she gave me permission and I told the story on camera to her the other day so so this is public knowledge already. Um, yeah, so I went to her hotel room the next day with my my fold-up table and some sheets. And I met her husband and I met their child. And I gave her a massage. And it was like the most magical, wonderful experience. And not in like a creepy fangirl kind of way, but just mm-hmm. like, like you have given me so much music and so much art. And this is, I just want to thank you. Mm-hmm. And she tried to pay me and I said, no way. Um and she ended up sending me, and it was just like this great experience. And she sent me this care package with like autographed books from her and her husband nice. and, uh, and a card. And it was so lovely. And, uh, and then she came back to Toronto uh, on Friday. So a few days ago, she came back to Toronto and I met her and I saw her and I, you know, was like, do you remember me? She was like, yeah, that was a great massage. And um, so I got to tell her like the whole story. She did this thing where she's doing this documentary where she's interviewing her fans, telling stories about whatever. And um, and I was like, I have a story about you. <laughs> and so I told her the whole story. Um, and I told her, I was like, that was just such a wonderful, magical moment for me. And I was like, Amanda, like I was so nervous. And But what you didn't know is that my dad died three months later. He was terminally ill at the time. And so that was just like this shining light in such a dark period. And I cried and she hugged me. And it was like the most beautiful thing. And it's all on camera. And so that's my favorite massage story. And I had to, I couldn't tell anyone for years. <laughs> yeah. Like you just so had to keep that. You like met one of your idols and you're like, mm, just got to pretend that never happened. Yeah. So that was hard. But uh, but now I can tell everybody because she gave me permission. So that's my favorite massage story. I think I'd be weird about meeting people that I'm interested. Like I've had opportunities to, to meet some of my musical people that I'm really interested in. So like there's a very well-known Canadian trio bands that is no longer together I feel like you can just say the name yeah, now of course and um i used to do personal training and i was at uh, the fitness institute mississauga and one of the dudes i was training his cottage is next to getty lee's and he's like why don't you come out to the cottage and meet getty i'm like nah, i think i'd feel weird about that plus i'd rather watch getty play music with two other guys than watch him like lay in a hammock <laughs> do you know what i mean so, but i just i felt weird about that whole idea and then there's someone else that I know who treats another another band. She treats several members from the band, and she's always like, "Yeah, you should. Uh, I I want to get them to meet you." And blah 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 blah. I'm like, I don't know. I, I feel weird about that. That's just me, though. I feel. I don't know. That's I'm, fair. I don't know why I've, I've met a lot of that. my idols, and sometimes they're they're in a bad mood, or they're just kind of jerks. And I've gone like the first time I met Billy Corgan, I went home crying because he was rude. He was just in a bad mood. Yeah. He's also kind of crusty in general. But he's been my number one since I was 12. And then I finally met him and he was rude and I went home in tears. What, what was rude about... You don't have to talk about this if you know what I mean. I, he was just... Really short. He was, it was, was just, yeah, curt and short and yeah. just kind of... I wanted him to sign something and he just kind of like didn't talk to me. Just kind of was like... like uh, gave me this gesture of like, fine, like hand it over. What was the scenario in which you met him? He did a... a he wrote a book of poetry and he did a, a book signing and he was late to the signing and I had been waiting in line outside all day and and he showed up to the signing and we were only supposed to get our book signed. We weren't supposed to get anything else signed 
And I was like, fuck it. And I brought this drawing that I did of him in yeah. grade 11 art class when I was 16. I did this big mosaic of his face and I, I pulled it out and I said, I know we're not supposed to get anything else signed, but I made this when I was 16. Can you please get this signed? Yeah. And he gave me this look of like, this is an inconvenience. You're breaking the rules. I don't have a lot of time. And I get it. I get it. But I was also like, you're a multimillionaire and several thousand of those dollars are mine. Like <laughs> I have given you every ounce of energy I've ever had to devote to anything. Um, and so he signed it, but he was just, just kind of like standoffish. And, mm. and so I went home crying, but then I met him again a few months later and he was perfectly lovely. So it kind of made up for it. Did that change your perception of him in the, and, and his band? No. Really? No. I mean, he's human, right? Yeah, like I guess. He, I don't know. He's, we're, we have, I have bad days mm-hmm. where I'm not feeling super social, but I don't have people who have been worshiping me their entire youth coming mm-hmm. up to me asking for things. That's got to be exhausting. Mm-hmm. Do you, you know? remember when we attempted to watch Ellen DeGeneres' special, Relatable? I think we fell asleep. I fell asleep. Yeah. But she was talking about that, how like, because she's the woman who always says, be kind to one another, be kind to one another. She's like, I have to be kind like all the time. All the time. Yeah, it's a lot because, of pressure. Yeah. Like if I am in a shitty mood, she's like, I can't just be a shitty person because I have coined this phrase of be kind to one another. And it's true. Like it. If a musician is just having a shitty day, he can't just decide like, okay, nobody's going to recognize me today. People are going to recognize you. People are going to be excited to yeah. see you. And Billy Corgan is 6'5". Like he doesn't blend in he anywhere. He stands no, out. 6'5", he's a He's a, he's a strange yeah. looking guy. Like you would <laughs> pick him out of a crowd, no problem. Yeah, he's strange and yet I have artwork of him all over my house. <laughs> like I commissioned a painting from my friend. Like, yeah. So I know it, I mean, it, I, it hurt because I just, I loved him so much and I wanted so badly for that meeting to be so wonderful. And it wasn't, but I, I don't fault him for that. And I've met him several times since, and he's Mm -hmm. been fine. He's been, we've had conversations. He's, I don't, I always, every time I see him, I always look at him like waiting for him to recognize me. (laughs) Like one of these days he's going to remember me and it's never happened. (laughs) But no, he's just, we're all just human. Yeah. Everybody can have a bad day. Empathy is important. And that includes empathizing with people when they're total dicks. Mm -hmm. So I've, I've actually watched, I've, I've watched interviews of musicians and it's changed my my view on the band and their music. I watched Anthony Kiedis on Much Music be a dick to Rick the Temp one time. Rick the Temp, exactly. <laughs> this is and so then, Canadian, <laughs> exactly. And ever since that time, Red Hot Chili Pepper music is not the same to me because yeah. he was just scum. That's why you hate it's Anthony. He was a complete so asshole to him. And yeah. I'm like, the, he's a, he's a, he's a fucking kid working at this place, and he's just trying to do his fucking job. And you're being a dick. And everybody loved Rick the Temp. And he was just a complete dick. And ever since then, I'm like, I I I can't I can't I can't do. Plus, the music is kind of repetitive, you know. After Blood Sugar, Chili's are magic. like the one '90s band that I just can't get into. Uh, it just it's really strange. They're a strange band. I don't know what it is about it. I think they, after that one album, Blood Sugar Sex Magic, the the largest selling album that they had, uh, the, the one with Under the Bridge on it and all that. Yeah, shit. no, I know. Like, that's a I really, have it. That's a really fucking good album. <laughs> I, I actually really liked One Hot Minute. I was the only person I who liked loved one, that album. <laughs> Dave Navarro. Is he? A, is that One Hot Minute? Yeah, he's he's in the videos at least. Yeah, okay, okay. I, I dug that album a lot, actually. I thought they were... It's funky. I thought they, they were a... <sighs> 
it's not like they were a better band they were it just showed me a side of the chili peppers because you inject a different personality into the mix a a different style and i that made me kind of open my eyes up to okay i I kind of dig where they can go with stuff but then it, it just all sounded the same after a while i'm like that's another reason why i can't do foo fighters anymore no I yeah, try. I know. I they try. get that criticism and it's it's, it's nothing's wrong with it's, it. It's nothing is warranted. Wrong with it. It's not inaccurate, but they're still my second favorite band. Yeah, no, j- nothing. <laughs> I, just as you said that, I was like, it. do you not remember her cat's name? Yeah. Stop talking. <laughs> no, no, I remember. I mean, you don't have to like what I like. No, I get it. It's a valid criticism that that this, there's I, kind of like dad rock now, and they all like all their songs. Well, I mean, same, I, I don't. I, but don't, I love them. But there's many bands that I love that just have a sound that I like, and it stays the same, and they're consistent, and that's part of what I like about them. But I think with Foo Fighters, it's because I was, I was a fan with the first album. Mm-hmm. What was the name of the first album? Self-titled. Yeah. What were the two of the fucking songs on that I totally dug? This I, is a call. This call. Uh, yes, Big yes, me. yes. Big me. That, that I like actually the really obscure songs on that album. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so to see that. And then to move into the second album and then the third album. I think after the third album is kind of where I got lost a little bit. That's then, where most people kind of dropped off. Yeah. But I then there's loyal. other but then there's other <laughs> bands that I can listen to the same shit over and over and it's the same style and like the Black Crows, for example. Every album's almost the fucking same. It's all this southern hippie fucking rock. And I totally dig it. And great they, band though. Yeah, great band. And I massage the, them. You should come get a massage. You recognize a lot of the songs. Yeah. yeah Just yeah. not in the cat house. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. No, I'd I'd make you come in the separate entrance and uh yeah i've got some black crows on my playlist yeah, my playlist yeah. 3500 plus songs she she gets that too she uses by accident my playlist sometimes <laughs> I, I swear i get more compliments on my playlist than i do on my technique yeah, yeah mark <laughs> always gets compliments on his music yeah it's on my website i actually have like if you go to my website um there's a section called why choose Nikki. Hmm. It's just all the reasons why I'm better or different from other people. And one of the reasons is no pan flute. And I say, you will never hear the pan flute in my treatment room. <laughs> it's all Otis Redding, Etta James, Ella Fitzgerald, Sam Cooke. Hold on. A little bit of Foos, a little bit of Black Crows, a yeah, little yeah, bit of Beck. Yeah. I will never forget treating a guy when I had one of my corporate <laughs> contracts. Is this to awesome? Yeah. He like <laughs> he was like super like into the treatment. Like, you know, we weren't talking all that much. Your mother is calling me. <laughs> Killer call. <laughs> call you back. Um, and all of a sudden he like put his head up a little bit and I said, Are you okay? He's like, Yeah, is this Ozzy Osbourne that you're like massaging to? And I was like, Oh yeah. And I it was weird because I felt the need to apologize, which is like weird because he wasn't saying anything and I was like oh yeah sorry um you know Mark made this playlist for me and he's like this is fucking awesome because it wasn't pan flute and waterfalls exactly. and, yeah. Yeah. and people ask me like yo do you play metal I'm like well I play a lot of deftones but like they're slower stuff yeah. so technically I guess if you consider them a metal band yes I play metal yeah. but I'm not in there like Rocking out to Pantera. Right. <laughs> no, I'm with you on that. I, I, I enjoy making playlists. Yeah, that's like what I do in my, my spare time. Like I'm making, working on my playlists. Right on. Right yeah, on. I spend like several hours a week working on those playlists. Yeah. And you might as well put it on your website. I'm known for my playlist. Yeah. And people will say like, oh, uh, they'll say to like clients of mine, like, oh, what's the name of that RMT who plays the good music? <laughs> I'm like whatever works, <laughs> whatever brings you to me. Yeah, nice, nice. Right on. Thanks for hanging. This was fun. Thanks for having me. I've, Thanks for it, the wine. <laughs> thank you for sharing. This has been delightful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks for hanging on the couch. It's been awesome. 
Thanks for coming in with the uh, colorful clothes. I'm curious as to what the walls look like. I'm also curious about the the nude painting. I'm not gonna lie, the one that you're you're not putting it's, up. It's it's tasteful. It's it's a painting of a woman woman's back, and you can see like the top of her gluteal cleft, and you mm. can see like side boob. Mm. It's tasteful, yeah, but yeah. not like in the massage room appropriate. I considered putting it in the massage room because I was like, it's anatomy, and then I had enough people tell me you can't do that. <laughs> yeah, probably not the best idea. What do I know? (laughs) Exactly. Right on. Thanks for hanging. Thanks for having me. Cool. You guys have been listening to two massage therapists and a microphone. Peace.